Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We believe in the power of God's Word, and we pray that you're encouraged by this message. Now lean in as we hear from God's Word together. We are in week three of a five-week series uh, that we've called Having an Eternal Perspective in a Temporary World. And if you've been with us over the last several weeks, or maybe this is your first time here, uh, we've been going verse by verse through Luke chapter 12. And we've been talking about in this series about how God's perspective on things is different than our perspective on things. That the way that we see things is often from a temporary perspective, and we need to make sure that we have an eternal perspective when it comes to the things that God wants us to have an eternal perspective on. And so in this series, we talked about how God sees us, how God views us, that we are valuable to God. And because of that, we need to live lives of faith. We need to live lives of honesty rather than fear and hypocrisy. And when we know who we are in Christ, we can live out the calling that he has for us in our lives. Last week, and we talked all about making sure that we had the right priority on our money, that we had the right priority on our stuff, that we need to live lives that are generous, that are rich towards God and not greedy toward him. Because Jesus knows for many of us, we can act like this building bigger barns guy, that we can all be greedy about our things, about our stuff and not be rich towards God, because it all comes down to the fact that we all have this tendency to worry. Will I have enough? Will there be enough? And so what we've been talking about is that we need to, we often put our faith and our trust in the things of this earth, but we shouldn't do that. We should put our faith and trust in the things of God. In fact, the title of today's message is Winning the War of Worry. So if you have a Bible, turn to Luke chapter 12. We're going to be looking at verses 22 through 34 today. So we're going to pick right on up with what Jesus has been talking about. If you don't have a Bible, um, if you have a smartphone, we have a live event on the YouVersion Bible app that you can uh, follow along with. You just need to go to that More tab at the bottom, then Events. You'll see Awake at Church Live. You can follow along there and uh, take notes as well. But I don't know about you. Who here, by a show of hands, you worry. You're great at worrying, right? Like, if, who here is worried about some things? You can raise your hands, right? Like, I think a lot of us would say it. I think oftentimes my spiritual gift is worry. Like, I think I'm really good at it. I'm good at being stressed out, being worried, fearful on things. And uh, today, I, I wonder how, what we're stressed out about. What kind of things are going through our minds? What kind of things are we stressed out, worried about? I think for a lot of us, what we're really going to be talking about today is one thing that we can all worry about is money. Will I have enough? Will there ever be enough? We're worried. Am I going to be able to have just enough to meet basic needs that are in my life? Am I going to be able to retire? Am I able to, to do other things that I want to do? And with the list can go on and on and on about all the things that we can worry about when it comes to our money. In fact, this week I read a study, I read some research that has been done, and it said that 77% of Americans, three out of four Americans, feel anxious, feel worried when it comes to their money. It said that 68% of people feel like they don't have enough to retire. That might be where I might find myself. And then 56% said that they're worried about keeping up with the cost of living. I think, especially if you've looked at the prices of things, we might all be worried about that, right? Like, why does everything keep going up? But if you've ever worried about money, if you've ever worried about your finances, you know that it doesn't just affect you, but it also affects the people around you that it affects other relationships that you had. In fact, the study goes on and it says that 43% of people say that they feel fatigued, that they feel tired, that they feel worn out because they're constantly worried about money. 42% said that they can't concentrate at work because they're just constantly thinking about the bills and how am I going to pay the bills and how is this going to work out? 
41% said that they can't go to sleep at night because they're constantly stressed out about making enough, having enough to take care of their family. And 25% said that it's affecting their marriage. They're just constantly at odds. They're fighting over these things. Money is a big deal in our lives. We worry about it. We stress out about it. We get fearful about it. And it impacts our lives and it impacts the people around us. And ultimately, we can, if we're not careful, we can look like the man that we read about last week, that he gets this huge abundant blessing from God, an abundant blessing that he had no control over, nothing that he did. God just blessed him. And we all can look like that parable of that guy. And we just build bigger barns and we hoard and we hold on to all of our stuff and we become greedy and not rich towards God. And what Jesus tells us today is he's going to give us some answers. He's going to solve our problem so we don't look like the building barns guy. He tells us how and why we can stop worrying about money. And so really what we're going to see today, we're going to break this down verse by verse, have a little commentary and all of it. But what we're going to see, the, the structure of this passage is, we're going to see that Jesus tells us, hey, do not worry. Then he's going to give us some illustrations on why we shouldn't worry. Then he's going to tell us again, don't worry, don't worry. Here's another illustration why you shouldn't stress out. And then he's going to tell us what we need to do, all right? So that's the structure. That's what we're going to be breaking down. And at the very end, I just have two simple questions for us. In light of what Jesus teaches us, I have two questions for us to ask ourselves in light of this passage. So Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 22, it says this, and he, speaking of Jesus, And he said to his disciples, therefore, now pause right there. One thing that I learned, one thing I want to impart to you, whether you know it or not, is anytime you see the word therefore, you need to know what the word is therefore, right? And so what this is, is that Jesus is connecting the idea, what he just said previously in verses 13 through 21. He's connecting this idea. He's like, hey guys, do you remember this building bigger barns guy? Do you remember that guy that we just talked about who was worried, who put all his faith and his trust and all the things that he could have and grab hold of? We remember that guy? And everybody's like, yeah. And he goes, well, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. See, that word for anxiousness here is in the present tense, which means that it's a continual thing. Jesus is commanding believers that we must not live in a continual state of anxiousness. And you go, well, why aren't we supposed to live in a continual state of anxiousness? We'll look at verse 23. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. So when we read this, we might think, well, okay, what is Jesus trying to say here? Is he trying to minimize the importance of our physical needs, saying none of that is important? Is Jesus saying, hey, don't worry about, it doesn't matter about your clothes, what you're going to eat, drink. Like, is he minimizing all this? Is he, is he casting this aside? Like, it doesn't matter? Of course not. That's not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus knows the importance of our physical needs. He knows that we need clothes. He knows that we need food. He knows that we need shelter. He knows that we need those things. But the point that Jesus is trying to make here is that most of the things that we're worried about are the wrong things. That when we're overly concerned about our physical and material needs, we miss out on the most important thing in life. And that is our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Jesus is saying, don't be worried about external things. Instead, be thinking about things that are eternal. See, life is more than just physical things. It's about the things that you can't see. It's about faith, hope, love. It's about the souls of men and women that'll last for all of eternity. Those things are the important things. Those things will last for all of eternity. And so we need to stop worrying about the wrong things and we need to get an eternal perspective on what's 
important. We need to have a heavenly focus because that destroys earthly worry. Think about it like this. When you, when, what happens when you focus on your financial problems? When that's all you think about, when that's all, do you worry more or do you worry less? You worry more, right? Like we could become one of those statistics. We're thinking about it at work. I can't work. I can't sleep. Like it's affecting my marriage. It's affecting the relationships around me. When we're so focused on the things of this world, it stresses it out. It stresses us out. And we become one of those statistics. But what happens when you focus more on God and his promises? Do you worry more? Do you worry less? You worry less. You should worry less. Because when the enemy comes in and he puts a thought in your mind or, or something, you need to bring that before the Lord. You need to cast those cares. The Bible tells us, cast your cares upon him because he cares about you. You need to cast those anxious thoughts, those worries, those fears. You need to throw them down at his feet. You need to say, I don't want to worry about this. Lord, let me lay it down at your feet. You need to open up God's word. You need to say, God, what are your promises? I need to be reminded of who you are in the midst of my stressed out situation. Who cares, money or not? In the midst of my stressed out situation, God, I need to remind myself of who I am in you. I don't need to remind myself that I'm your son, that I'm your daughter, that I'm chosen, that I'm forgiven, that I'm redeemed. I don't need to remember that you're the Alpha, the Omega, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. I need to remember who you are in light of the things that are going on in my world. Again, it's not to minimize the the things that we go on or the struggles or the things that we're worried about, but we need to have a heavenly focus. A heavenly focus destroys earthly worry. And so what Jesus is saying here is, hey, you need to relax. Don't worry. Life is more than what you have and what you don't have. Some of us, we may look at all of our stuff and we're like, man, I'm that build it, uh, the barns guy. Like I got all this wealth. Some of us are like, man, I wish I had some wealth. But life is more than how much you have and how much you don't have. Life is found in God himself. And to drive home his point, Jesus gives us some illustrations. Look at what he says in verse 24. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. Again, Jesus making a callback to what he's saying previously. As they just heard this parable, and now Jesus is using similar language again here, they're probably like, oh yeah, I remember Jesus talking about that guy, how much he had. And he says, and yet God feeds these birds. Of how much more valuable are you than the birds? Again, I love this because it's a callback to verses six and seven, where Jesus is like, hey, you remember those sparrow kebabs that were two cents? Like, remember that God cares about every bird that's ever lived? Remember when I said you're more valuable than, you, than, than those birds? He's like, hey, just remember again, just in case you forgot, you're more valuable than the ravens. You're more valuable than these birds. And what Jesus is saying here about the ravens is really powerful, and I don't want us to miss this, because you've got to put yourself in the sandals of a first century Jewish person listening to this. Because as they're hearing this, Jews would have considered ravens unclean. They didn't want anything to do with ravens. Listen, these were dirty birds. They didn't want anything to do with them. If you're a Jewish person and you came in contact with one of these ravens, you would have been ceremonially unclean. So Jewish people listening to Jesus, they would have heard this word ravens and they would have been like, man, that's a dirty bird. That's an unclean bird. But not only that, in ancient times, these were some of the least respected birds of their day. And so this is significant because here's what Jesus is saying. If God feeds them these unclean, insignificant, dirty birds, and these ravens, they don't have to labor. They don't have to produce anything. They just fly around. They're just looking for their food. 
They don't even have storehouses or barns. Just in case they don't find food that day, they don't have anything to like store up later for themselves. They're just flying around looking for their food. And if God feeds these birds, if these birds are completely dependent on God, how much more valuable are you than these unclean, insignificant birds? If God takes care of an unclean, insignificant part of his creation, how much more will he take care of you? The pinnacle of his creation. You are created in the image of God. He loves you and he'll care for you. See, birds don't worry. Animals really don't worry. I mean, have you ever been watching on the Nature Channel and just seeing the animal? They're like, oh, the, the owl is so worried right now. Or the lion, can't you believe it? He's stressing out. He's pulling out his mane. You never see any animal just stressed out. And of course, an Australian accent, Steve Irwin, okay? Um, but uh, that's, that's who I grew up on, right? That's what I watch. But, but you don't see him like getting all stressed out. You don't see him getting all worried and pacing. How am I going to eat? We're the only thing in all of God's creation that don't trust him. We're the only thing that he's created that doesn't trust God. Now, just as like a a moment of honesty here, um, I don't like birds. Like I hate birds. (laughs) Like I find them actually very disgusting and unclean as well. Like I don't know if it goes back to when uh, my grandpa, he had a whole room just dedicated to birds. And my dad and I would bring feed to the house and I'd see all the bird poop everywhere and I'd hear all the fluttering and it kind of smelled. So I don't know, maybe I'm scarred because of that. I don't know, but I just never liked birds. I don't like them. And and so they kind of just creep me up. Like the hair on my arm kind of stands up and things like that. It's just not, I don't like birds at all. Like at the zoo, you know, like you can go in and, oh, it's so cute. Birds will land on you. Nope. Like that sounds like a bad time to me. All right. And, And so uh, I was thinking about it, you know, just like Jen, uh, last year, she was like, you know what we need on our back porch? A birdhouse. And I said, no, we don't need a birdhouse because like, I don't want these things flying up to the house. Like they're going to poop everywhere. It's going to be a pain to clean up all the time. Like it's just going to be gross. We shouldn't do it. So we have a birdhouse um, on our back porch. And, um, <laughs> and so I hate it because every time I go to grill, I open up the door, <laughs> you know, all these birds. And I'm just like, oh, it's the worst. And it is a pain to clean up and all of that kind of stuff. All right. So, but this week I got all the boys to school and I was just looking out at the backyard because I just watch it from a window now. Um, and, uh, and so I'm looking, but it was really cool to me. This is what I saw. I saw all these birds singing, flying around. I saw this one bird grab something to eat and, and they bring it to their nest and they're feeding their family and they're flying back around and they're eating, they're doing their thing. And I was like, man, it brought to life this passage. I was like, man, this, this is so true. These birds that I hate, that I don't ever want to see, never want to come in contact with, God loves this bird. I hit a bird on the way to church today. Can I, I, was, I, felt, I was like, glory to the Lord. You know, like I felt good. The feathers blew up and everything. I was like, oh, thank you, Lord. You know, like it was great. It's a great start to the morning. I just need to make sure the truck didn't get dented. That's all, you know, like, uh, but I was like, man, I don't like these birds. They're disgusting. They're gross. I don't like it. But yet I thought, man, God cares about that bird. And here I am stressed out about whatever it is that I'm stressed out. I'm stressed out about my legs, stressed out about the family, stressed out about the kids going to school, stressed out about different things going on, stressed out about money. I'm stressed out and worried about all these things. And it brought to life this passage. If God cares about these birds, how much more valuable am I? Again, money aside, you could be stressed out. You could be worried about any number of things. The best thing that many of you could do today is go on a nature walk. Go to a park today. Walk around. Look at God's creation. 
Go in your backyard. If you can't get in your backyard, just watch it from the window like I do. Look at God's creation. Look at how he cares for it. Look at how he takes care of it. And remind yourself how much more valuable that you are than the birds and all of God's creation. You are the pinnacle of his creation. He cares about you and he loves you. Jesus says, don't worry about your life. I take care of these birds and you're more valuable than they are. Verse 25, Jesus goes on and he says, and which of you being anxious can add a single hour to a span of life? Rhetorical question here because he gives us the answer. He says, because we'd say no one can. He says in 26, if then you are not able to do a small thing as that, why are you, why are you anxious about the rest? See, what Jesus is saying here is if none of us can add a single second, a single minute, a single moment to our entire lifespan, why, if we can't even do that, why worry about things that are well beyond our control? Why worry about things that are truthfully we can't even control? We worry about things when we try to control things that we were never meant to control. We worry about things that we were never meant to control. I think if I interviewed a lot of us in 2019, 18, 17, 16, I think we would all be like, man, I'm in control of a lot of things. Man, everything's working out for me. These things, I got control. I've got influence. I can hold on to these things. I can do these things. I can manipulate this. But if we've learned anything since 2020, it's that we're not in control of anything. If anything, in the last several years, what we've been taught is anything that we've put our faith, our trust, our security, our hope in, it all got shaken. So what do we do? We trust God. We trust God with the things that we can't control. What can't you control? You can't control what political leaders are going to do. You can't control what goes on in our world, the decisions there. You can't control what's going to go on with the stock market, the economy. You can't control whether or not your company is going to go bankrupt and they're going to lay you off. You can't control what gas prices are going to be, egg prices, bread prices, milk prices, like just food prices in general. You can't control those things. So what do you do? You trust God. Jesus is saying, worry is useless. Worry doesn't add value to your life. And by the way, one thing that I've at least noticed in my life, maybe it's true for you as well, is that oftentimes worry just doesn't do anything. Like you just spin your wheels, you go, you go, you go, you're worried, worried, and then it never ends up happening. Nothing ever comes to pass. And so you spend all that energy worrying about something that never even happened. But Jesus continues to illustrate why we shouldn't worry. In verses 27 and 28, he says, Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Jesus is like, hey, maybe some of you, you tuned out when you heard ravens because you're like, these are unclean. I don't like these, these animals, these birds. He's like, let me give you another illustration about the lilies and the grass to show you how much I care about you. He's like, look at these lilies. They don't work. Like if you've ever been a field of lilies, do you see them competing with one another? Like, oh, I'm going to grow taller than you. You see them going, oh, I'm trying to grow tall. You don't see that. And yet God goes, if I clothe them, they're more beautiful than Solomon the wealthiest king in Israel. And he's like, if I take care of them and they're that beautiful, I'm going to take care of you. And then Jesus talks about the grass. He says, which is alive in the field today and it's tomorrow thrown in the oven. God's like, see, if I care about an insignificant piece of grass that's here one minute and gone the next, 
He's gonna, I'm going to care for you. But I really want us to look at that phrase, O you of little faith. Because this isn't the first time Jesus says, O you of little faith. He says it to Peter. Jesus is walking on water. Peter joins him out on the water. Peter starts to notice the storm and everything going out, going on. And so he starts to sink and Jesus reaches out and he grabs him and he pulls him up and he calls him, O you of little faith. Worry reveals our lack of trust in God. And not only does it reveal our lack of trust in God, but it also reveals that we have a short-term memory. It reveals that we have forgotten how faithful God has been to us in the past. We've forgotten all the ways that God has provided for us. That's why a few times in this passage, what we've seen and what we will see is that Jesus says, hey, don't worry. Don't be anxious. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, where you're going to have shelter, what you're going to eat or drink. He's like, you have a heavenly father who knows what you need. God's like, hey, I know you have needs in your life. I know there are financial concerns in your life. I care about those needs. But see, when we doubt that, we can live like atheists. We can live like unbelievers in those moments. See, when we forget about how faithful, loving, caring, providing, merciful, generous God has been to us in our lives, when we forget those things, Jesus is like, oh, you of little faith. You forgot how faithful God was. So what we need to do is we need to stop living in unbelief and acting like God doesn't care because God knows and God cares about every detail of our lives. Again, look at verse 29. Jesus tells us again not to worry. He says, and do not seek what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink, nor be worried. That word seek in verse 29 is to contrast or juxtapose what we are supposed to seek in verse 31, which is his kingdom. So Jesus is like, hey, don't seek after being worried and providing for yourself. Don't seek after those things. But if you're going to seek something, you need to seek God's kingdom. And when you do that, watch how he will take care of you. Jesus is like, stop going between faith and fear. Stop going between hope and despair. So in verse 29, Jesus is like, hey, do not worry. Do not seek after being worried. And then he gives us an illustration of people who do seek being worried. He says, for all the nations, in verse 30, for all the nations of the world, seek after these things. And your father knows that you need them. Jesus' point is this. That's how the nations stress out. That's how the world stress out. But you are my people. And so you act different. You don't act like the rest of the world when it comes to being anxious. I'm so thankful that we live in the country that we live in. I love the freedoms that we've been able to enjoy. I love the fact that we could come in here and gather and not worry about people coming in and telling us that we can't do this. Like I'm so thankful that we live in the country that we live in right now. But oftentimes what happens with that is there's a lot of pride that comes with that, right? Like a lot of us, we'd be like, well, I'm American. And we think of ourselves as Americans first. But listen, if you're a follower of Jesus today, if you've said, yes, I've committed my life to Jesus, I'm following him, then you are, uh, you, that is your first allegiance. Being a follower of Jesus is your first. You might have a, a secondary allegiance to some nation, but your first and primary allegiance is to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It is to Jesus. And so what Jesus would say to us today is, hey, Americans, they might stress out, but not my people. They're calm and they're cool. And you say, well, why? 
because your president, your elected officials, the kings of this world may fail you, but the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the God in heaven will never fail you. I thought about that this week. I was, uh, I was reminded of a, a dog that um, my family adopted when I was really young. It was a beagle dog. Who loves dogs here, by the way? This, this is why you're the, you're the better service. Not, last service, they were kind of like, eh, we got to pray for them, all right? So we're going to spend some time doing that. But, uh, I love them too, all right? So, uh, but, but I love dogs. And my dad, he adopted a beagle dog. And uh, this dog was a great dog. Her name was Grace. And I often think that it was by the grace of God that the dog lasted as long as she did. Because I think my dad was always watching the clock going, when is this dog going to die? Like, because he didn't overly love the dog. He didn't overly hate the dog. He was just neutral about the dog, right? Like I think some dads probably are. And so it was just kind of like, okay, you know, we had this dog, Grace, and she came from the pound. And you know, the thing about this dog was, I thought about her this week, and anytime we fed her, anytime we uh, gave her treats, gave her a bone, you know what she did? She would take some of that and she would put it in her bed. She would go and hide it in the corner of a house or she'd go put it out in the yard. And then I would see her hours later munching on this thing. And I thought about that this week and I was like, man, why did my dog do that? Like, why did she store away food? And I thought, well, maybe it's because she's from the pound. Like, you know, dogs, that's what you have to do. Am I going to eat again? Am I going to have another meal again? When will my meal come again? And I thought about that this week and I was like, man, that dog was adopted into our family. She was loved for, she was cared for. Her next meals were planned out for her. She didn't need to live like the rest of the dogs lived. She needed to live like she had been adopted into this kingdom, into this family, into this home. And she should have known it because she was black and white. She looked like a fat cow. Like, I mean, that's just... She should have known it. She looked like a, a Vienna sausage on, uh, on a, uh, toothpicks. Like, that's just what she looked like. She should have known that she was cared for and loved for because she had been adopted into our family. Listen, you don't have to be anxious and worried about money, about other things in your life. You've been adopted into God's family. God knows you. He sees the needs you have, and he cares about you. So if we're not to seek after worry... Look at what we're supposed to seek. Verse 31. Instead, seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. The word seek is in the present tense, meaning it's a lifelong habit of seeking his kingdom. So if it's not our responsibility to worry and to seek after those things, then what is our responsibility? Our responsibility is to take care of his kingdom and he will take care of his servants. You're responsible for advancing the kingdom and he will take care of all the people who advance his kingdom. Who here loves chocolate? Yeah, good. Like last service, right? I, I, I love chocolate. I had a dream about chocolate. Like I need to get milk chocolate because like that's how bad I want it. But let's just say like you love chocolate so much that you want to go work at the Willy Wonka chocolate factory and you're now Willy Wonka's personal assistant and you walk around and you love chocolate so much you want chocolate do you think that you're ever going to walk in there and you're like, I need chocolate? Do you think you're ever going to go without chocolate? No. Chocolate is the least of the concerns. You want chocolate? They're overflowing with chocolate. You'll get chocolate. They got a river of it. They got things made out of chocolate. You will have chocolate. Here's the point. Here's what happens. You've not just been adopted into the family of God. You've been hired into his company. The God you serve paves his streets with gold. I think Christians get this wrong all the time. They're like, oh man, can't wait to get to heaven. Going to have these mansions, going to have this gold. We're going to be rich. That's not the point. Gold is construction material to God. That's what he uses to walk on. He doesn't care about it. Gold isn't bad, but it's not God. 
Jesus is like, hey, if you need something, serve the kingdom and these things will be added to you. You say, serve the kingdom, what does that mean for me? Does it mean I just serve here on a Sunday? It can mean that. It's one way that we advance the kingdom is we serve one another, we serve the people here, we serve each other. That's an aspect of it. Some of it may be that the Lord has been calling you and tugging at your heart for a while to get involved in ministry, and so you're contemplating what does full-time ministry look like for me in my life? And so for some of you, you're like, man, I'm just feeling the tug in that. That's, those are ways to advance the kingdom. But it also happens in the home. As fathers and mothers, you have an important job for the kingdom. One of the most important things that you can do is, yes, provide for your kids. Protect your kids from harm. But here's the next thing. You teach them about the king of kings. You teach them about the God of this Bible. Yes, bring them here to awaken kids. Yes, bring them to students. They need those things. They need that interaction. They need to learn at their level. But listen, it just doesn't stop here on a Sunday. This is a continual thing that we're doing in our house. We're advancing the kingdom by training up the next generation, telling them about the God who's changed your life. It also happens in the workplace. You don't just go to work to make money and provide. Yes, that is the main thing, and that's an important thing. Do that. But God has sent you there as a missionary. He has you there in the military, at the grocery store, at the whatever place you work as a cashier, whatever job you have, he has you there for a reason. He has you there at school for a reason. You are sent to that school to be a missionary. Now, does that mean you open up your Bible and you're like, I got a lot of problems with you people and so does God. Let me tell you about what this means. No. Listen, I remember years ago, I I worked at a coffee shop in Albuquerque. I didn't open up the Bible and say, hey, here's everything wrong with you guys. This is what you got to get right. This is what you got to learn. I didn't do that. People could tell by the life that I lived that something was different. And let me tell you how many conversations I had about the goodness of Jesus. People would say, well, what about this? Or what about that? Or what do you think about this? Or why is this being said? I was sent there as a missionary to people that would never step foot in the church. Listen, so many times we're like, well, uh, we'll just bring them to church and pastor, you do the job. Listen, that's not a bad thing, but you have more influence. Your call to go into all the world as well, to tell people about what Jesus has done for you in your life. So we're sent to our places as missionaries, but in our culture, we so often have it backwards. We have this, well, let me care about myself first mentality. And then, you know, whatever's left over, then I'll care about what God cares about, but I'm going to take care of me first. But that's a worldly mentality, not a heavenly perspective. Verse 32, Jesus again says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I love that Jesus says here when he says little flock. We're the flock. We're the sheep. And here, here's the thing. All throughout this passage, Jesus is just so truthful. He's like, hey, listen, you need, you, you need to seek my kingdom. Don't seek other things. Seek my kingdom. You can't have one foot in this world, one foot in my kingdom. You can't be kind of halfway in. You're either all in or you're all out. Seek my kingdom. He could be so encouraging saying, hey, you're more valuable than these ravens. You're more valuable than the lilies, than the grass. He could be so compassionate. And he says, hey, you're my little flock. You see, when it comes to shepherd and sheep, sheep won't live long without their shepherd. Sheep are just dumb animals. Like, they'll eat anything. They'll just fall off cliffs. If you don't have someone to care for them, they're done for. That's it. 
And so it's on the shepherd 100%. They're responsible for these sheep to care for them, to protect them, to provide for them, to guide them, to protect them from themselves. God is our shepherd. He cares about us. And because he cares for us, it tells us that it is our Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Here's what this means. When we're part of the kingdom of God in Christ, we have hope, we have joy, we have peace, we have security, we have assurance, we have provision, we have forgiveness of our sins, we have the hope to one day rule and reign with God. And Jesus says it is God's pleasure. It pleases God to give you, you little flock, the blessing of that kingdom. Now, again, remember the the way that Jesus is telling all this. There's people gathered around. They're trampling one another. And I thought, man, everybody listening right now, they've got to be so encouraged. Like up to this point, they're like, man, God cares for me more than the ravens. God cares and loves for me more than than the lilies and, and, and and the grass. Like God loves for me and calls me his little flock. Like they've just got to be so encouraged listening to everything that Jesus says. But then look at what he says in verse 33. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old with a treasure in heaven that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. I like to think that they kind of went like, uh, what, Jesus? Like, we just told you that we're worried, that we're stressed out. Yeah, we'll sell your possessions and be generous. Oh, but Jesus, like, you know, we've got, things are really tight right now. We, we, we got a lot going on. We got to put new chariot tires on, on the thing, you know, like there's a lot going on. He's like, yeah, but sell your possessions and be generous. Oh, but Jesus, we got this or that. Yes, yeah, sell your possessions and be generous. Why in the world is Jesus telling us to sell our possessions and be generous? Well, it's the opposite of what the Building Bigger Barns guy did. What did he do? He just stored it up and he was greedy with all his stuff. His stuff became his main priority. See, that man had a false view of life and death. He thought life came from accumulating things and that death was far away. But death would be immediate. He wasn't going to be able to enjoy his wealth because he died that night. And so I believe Jesus is telling us, hey, sell your stuff, be generous, because Jesus knew that we would look for things in our life, to grab hold of, because things can become more important to us than God. He doesn't want us to look like the building barns guy. We all have this tendency to want to grab hold of things, to treasure things for the security we think that they offer us. We want to anchor ourselves to these things. But life isn't found in stuff. It's found in Jesus. Some of us, we take all of our treasure and we put it in another box called the safe. And we say, well, that's where my money's going to stay. It's going to be safe. The problem is that money corrupts. We go through recessions, money flies away, moths come in and destroy it. But if we put our treasure in another box, suddenly you've provided for yourself money bags that do not grow old with the treasure in the heavens that doesn't fail. When you pursue the kingdom of God, you're investing in eternity. Listen, our time on this earth is very short. We're all headed for eternity somewhere. Stick with us. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to find out more about that, more about our future. So let's make the most of everything now. Let's pre- prepare for an eternity with God. 
See, when we live lives faithfully, when it comes to our time, our treasure, our talents, when we do that, we are storing up treasure in heaven that cannot be destroyed, that will not fail, that will not spoil, and that won't be taken away. And one day we will reap those rewards. In fact, we even have a warning. Paul wrote, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. There will be a day when we're going to stand before God, and God will either reward us or he won't reward us by the way that we lived here on earth. You have a choice. You can focus so much on your earthly comfort and building up your wealth and doing all that stuff. Again, wealth isn't bad, but it's not God. You spend so much time doing that and miss out on the treasure that lasts forever, what God is offering us. An eternal perspective affects our earthly priorities. And then Jesus ends his sermon in verse 34. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What Jesus is saying is there's a direct connection between your heart and your money. Why does God want you to send all of your treasure to a future kingdom? Because some of our hearts are, too plant, are planted too deeply in this kingdom. And the only way for us to change our hearts is to get us to focus on the future kingdom. And the only way to get us focused on the future kingdom is to give toward that kingdom. See, giving is not about anybody else. It's about you changing you. Here in a couple of weeks, we're going to be celebrating 14 years of ministry in, in Clarksville. And it's an exciting thing. It's, it's a cool thing. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to have what we call as Vision Sunday, where all the leaders will get up here and we'll talk about the church. And we'll talk about where we're going and all of that kind of stuff, kind of update you guys, kind of like a giant family meeting. And, uh, but it's a little bit more fun than family meetings, you know, and, and so we're going we're gonna to talk about all that kind of stuff. But I was thinking, I was like, man, 14 years ago, we didn't come out here and just pray over this building and go, Lord, would you just provide the facilities? And pop, they all just came out. I thought, man, as, especially like young church planners, as I've talked to them, you know, they don't just go over to a piece of land and pray over the land and then pop comes out the facility. No, I think a lot of us, we would say God can do anything without our money, right? Like he can do anything without our money. But then why does he ask for it? Because he wants to change our heart. And what you treasure is where your heart is going to go. Our family, we sponsor a child uh, through Compassion International. She's from the Dominican Republic. And, uh, you know, I've never once really thought about the D Dominican Republic. Like, I've never really thought much about the people there or, or anything like that. And, and because we have three boys, we don't have a girl, so we adopted a girl. And so she's there, and, and we've given to her over the years, and we've watched her grow up. We've watched her uh, grow in, in what she's doing in school, and she sends us pictures, and we write her back, and, and we pray for her, and we care for her. Listen, I've never once thought about that, but man, if I get the opportunity, I want to go. I want to see the people there. I want to interact with the people that are going on there, and what's happening there. Why? Because that's where my heart is. One day, I hope that we're a church that sends people to plant other churches in this country. I hope that one day we have people up here and we're praying over them and we're sending them out and we're going to give and we're never going to think once about that. We've never thought once about that city, twice about that city. We've never really maybe cared about those city or those people. But when we send people, we begin to care and think about those people. I hope one day we get to send missionaries to other parts of this world, parts that we've never heard about, parts that we've never even thought about. But when we send people, that's 
where our heart's going to be. That's what we treasure. What you treasure is where your heart is. Your money is like a magnet. What you treasure is where your heart's going to go. So in light of this message that Jesus gives us, here's just two quick questions that I want us to think about in light of everything that he said. And the first one is this. Do I care about what God cares about? Do I care about what God cares about? Be honest with yourself today. Don't be like, well, yeah, of course I do. But do you? Do you truly care about advancing the kingdom? Is your priority seeing people uh, who are far from Christ experiencing that new life in Christ? Do you care about his kingdom and what he's doing? Or do you only care on a Sunday or when you might have groups? And if you don't, what needs to change in your life? What new perspective do you need to have? What view of God's kingdom do you need to have? Here's the second one. Do I believe that God really cares about me? Do I believe that God really cares about me? Because see, here's the thing. A lot of times as believers... We mentally, we know, yeah, God loves me, God cares about me, but we don't really know it in a real and intimate way. We know God's a loving God, but sometimes we think, man, God only cares about other people, loves other people, he doesn't care and love me. Do you truly believe that God cares about me? That you're his little flock? That you're valuable, that you're more valuable than the ravens, the birds, the grass, the lilies? And if you don't, let me encourage you, make this your lifelong passage. Make this the the passage you memorize, you read over and over and over and over again until you fully grasp God's embrace, God's love and care for you. This week, I I, I was holding on to that phrase, you little flock. And it was so comforting to me in the midst of everything that I'm worried about, stressed out about, care about. It was so comforting for me to think of myself as a sheep and God being our good shepherd. It just brought me a lot of comfort and brought me a lot of joy and peace in my life. And, and so what I want to do right now is I just want to close with a passage that a lot of us are familiar with. A lot of us have heard it read. A lot of us know what it is. It's Psalm 23. And I just want to read it and then we're done. But here's what I want you to do. I want you just to bow your heads. I want you to close your eyes. And the reason why is because I want all distractions as much as possible to be out. And I just want you to hear the words. I want you to hear what Jesus has to say. What he would speak to us in the midst of our worry and our anxiousness. Look at what he says, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thanks.
Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We'd love to hear how this message or the ministry of Awaken has impacted your life. Let us know at awaken.church forward slash my story.